Thank you, Betsy. Not for your cough, but for the good job you've done in the music. Truly reminding us that this is our Father's world. While it, with the evil and darkness in the world, we need to be reminded he is still ruler and he's going to have the final say. Days set aside to honor parents has become officially official only in the 20th century. Mother's Day was made official in October 1914 by an act of Congress that it would be the 2nd of May, 2nd Sunday of May, would be known as Mother's Day. Much more recently, Father's Day has been recognized as the third Sunday of June, which is today. And would you believe that there are some now practicing Grandfather's Day? My wife and I worked on Okinawa, Japan, from 1962 to 1972. And one of the colleagues that I enjoyed that's now with the Lord was an older gentleman named Ray Kalbach. He had seven children. And when he came out to Okinawa, he only had two. The others were all married and established in their own homes. And he said on a Father's Day, if I had a known grandchildren were such a joy, I would have skipped children and gone straight to grandchildren. Now, we know that's not possible, but I think all the grandparents here would agree that the greatest joy of old age is our children and our grandchildren. So we celebrate today Father's Day. The Bible has a lot to say about fathers and honoring our fathers. If you would, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to get the setting here. In chapter 18, verse 16 says, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightning, thick clouds on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud. So all the people who were in the camp trembled, Moses brought the people out of camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain, now at Mount Sinai. So here were the children of Israel, recently had come out of Egypt where they had been slaves. And now they have gathered at Mount Sinai. And it was in complete smoke because the Lord descended upon it. 
in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked like an earthquake. That was the setting. Now look at chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. So with the mountain shaking, flames and smoke, and a trumpet blasting, and then the voice of God Almighty spoke. So we're reading words that God audibly spoke to the whole of the people. And he said, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. We won't read all of those. You're familiar with the Ten Commandments, the verse 11 verses. Deal with our relationship with God. Know the names before him. Make no other graven image. Remember the Sabbath. Notice verses 12 through 17. Here are six commands that deal with our relationship with others. And five of these are negative. It says, you shall not, verse 13, murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. But one is positive. Only one of the Ten Commandments here. Verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. That you, your days may be long upon the land which the Lord is giving you. Here we have very clearly spelled out for us that Honoring our father seems to imply that we will have a long time on the land. And I think what that means is if where it speaks of honor, I can show you in other places, but for time I won't go there. The honor means to obey, to respect, to submit. So if we are a people that honor, respect, obey our parents, we probably will have a lifestyle that will give us longer life. Whereas if we disobey, we don't submit. We don't respect our parents. We live a life of sin. It usually brings us to a premature, earlier death. And so, it's very clear. Some might say to me, well, you're in the Old Testament. You're in the Old Covenant. That uh, We are in the New Covenant. And that was to Israel. Notice, if you will, in Matthew, turn with me to Matthew chapter uh, 19, Matthew 19, and I'm going to read you the words of Christ. And this is when he was speaking with the rich young ruler, verse 17 of 
Matthew 19. And he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. The rich young ruler said, which one? Jesus said, and here are the ones that be dealing with relationships. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You won't covet your neighbor if you love him as you love yourself. But there he says, you're to honor your father and your mother. And furthermore, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. And I'll read the first three verses here. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The same word that was inspired by the Spirit of God that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus was honor, respect, obey your fathers. And he says in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. What does that mean? Does it mean we are only to obey our parents if they are in the Lord, if they are Christians? I don't think so. It, I believe it means this, that children should obey with, with an attitude that in obeying, it's as though they are obeying the Lord. The Lord is the one who said, honor your father and your mother. And Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, Children, obey your parents in the Lord as you are, would be doing to the Lord. He's the one who commanded it and we're doing it. And notice why that's so important in the book of Colossians, two books over in the third chapter, verse 20. It says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. God, blessing is on the children of those who respect their parents, their fathers and mothers. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. And then if you notice... <clears throat> He says, <clears throat> four reasons are given here on why we should obey our parents. Notice number one, verse one. 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's a right thing to do. It enriches your life. It's in obedience and honor to God. This is the very structure of our society. It's a family. And God has put the Father in at the head. And if we honor, obey our fathers, it's right. And then you notice in verse 2, It's scriptural. Honor your father, which is the first commandment. The word of God has spelled it out. This is a biblical truth which God spoke from Mount Sinai and then repeated it through the church that we should obey and respect our fathers. Then notice in verse 3 that it may be well with you. It is in the best interest. It's well with us. I'm a better person today because I respected and obeyed my father. And it's the same with you. It's well with you. You are moving in the will of God when you obey your parents. And then you notice the second part of that verse. It says that you may live long on the earth. It seems that God somehow gives not only a richer life daily, but more days to those who honor their parents and respect their fathers. And then you notice in verse 4 of that chapter, he speaks to the fathers. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, Don't bring unreasonable demands on your children. Petty rules. Don't show favoritism among your children. Don't provoke them to wrath. That's the word that Paul gives to the fathers. And then he gives them, the fathers, a positive suggestion. You bring your children up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And fathers that do. He didn't say mothers. Mothers seem to do it naturally. Or so it was in my home. But fathers need to be kicked a little bit to bring up their children in the admonition of the Lord. Abraham is a great example for us here. 
Let me read you first what it says in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham. I'm reading from Romans 4, verse 16. It says, Therefore it's a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, we know that Abraham was the first Jew. It was to Abraham, God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And he is considered the father of the Jew. But Paul here in Romans says he's a father of us all. And what he's talking about is Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteous. Abraham had faith in God. And he's the father of all who have faith in God. When I accepted Jesus Christ by faith, Abraham became the father of the faith. He was the first one. And I say that to to go back to show you in the book of Genesis. Now, let me show you what the Bible says about him. I'm in Genesis 18. I'll begin at verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord. The reason God said of Abraham, I know he's going to bring up his children in the way of the Lord. And a father is blessed of God when they don't provoke their children to wrath, but they bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. All fathers should be honored. But we know that many of them have not brought up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It was true in my home. My father was a good, upright, honest man. But if we ever went to church, Mama had to orchestrate it and push it. I never heard my daddy pray for the food. He never once spoke to me about God. And it was not until I was 23 years of age that I had to confront honoring my father. I finished high school here, classmate of old Red Price and Shirley, uh, Spivey, white Spivey. Uh, 
went to East Carolina on a football scholarship. Spent one year, didn't like the coach. He later was fired. Joined the Air Force. Korean War broke, and I spent four long years in the Air Force. And while I was there, I was, when the war broke, I was put on 24-hour alert and shipped immediately to the Philippines. And the two years I spent in the Philippines, I met a missionary that had survived the Bataan Death March, prisoner of the Japanese, and he came back to minister to military. And it was through his testimony I came to know Jesus Christ. And under his teaching, I was discipled. I grew in the Lord. And when I came home, my brother had been drafted, and now my father was trying to run the farm by himself. And my last six months in the Philippines, I met a basketball team that had come from Taylor University, and they were one of the first sports evangelism. And I read about in the paper these Bible dribblers and so forth at the Resolve Stadium, and I ran down to see what it was. They gave their testimony at halftime. One of them played an accordion, and they played good basketball, too. And they were from Taylor, Coach Don Odell. And I ran down after the game, met them, and they said, man, if you're going to college when you get out of here, you ought to come to Taylor. So I had applied, and I was already, when I came home that August, I was already accepted at Taylor and couldn't wait to be leaving in about three weeks to play football again. Anyway, my dad said, would you put off until January, second semester, and help me harvest? Oh, I said, Dad, I'm 23 years old, and I'm not halfway through college yet, and I'm all set and got the GI Bill. I didn't have enough money to go when I finished high school. And in praying about it the next morning, God brought to my mind, honor your father and mother. And I thought, I've never honored my father. I was always trying to get something out of him. And I made the decision I'd stay. I went on to Taylor that January, had a great time, and things were cruising along, and I decided I'd take summer school so I wouldn't have to go another semester at the end and so I lined up for all the classes I could take that summer. And <clears throat> I also had got a part-time job for the summer. And one night I had 
on the gospel team in Milwaukee, I had spoken to a boys' group that came out to the church. And when I got through, I invited them to come forward to want to accept Christ. And about 25 of those boys came out and accepted Christ. That night back at the home that I was hosted, I was praying. And I said, Lord, you touched these boys from that reformatory school, and you saved all those boys. And I've been praying for five years now that you save my father and my brother. Send somebody down the wooded road to tell them about the Lord. And it was almost like God, he spoke in my heart. It's almost as if it was audible. You go. You're the one. I said, God, I can't go. I'm signed up for summer school and I have a job. I've been poor all my life. Now I'm trying to get the monkey off my back. And it was as if God said to me, for a few dollars and a few college hours, you'd risk your father and brother going to hell. And I cried like a baby. I cried so loud I woke up my roommate. And I said, God, I'll go. And to make sure I didn't change my mind the next day in daylight when I got to campus, I canceled summer school. And I drove home in my old Plymouth. It's a long ways from Indiana without interstates. That was in 1953. And the first night I was home, they had asked me to show some. I had taken lots of pictures with the 35 millimeter and I had an old projector, and they had seen from my time in the Philippines. And that fall in the harvest and everything, I took a lot of pictures because I realized stacked peanuts uh, weren't going to be around long. And uh, I was, t- they said, show us those pictures you made. So I set my little projector up, and um, I was showing it to them. And then when the last picture was showed, They said, is that all? I said, no. There's one more. I want to tell you why I came home. And I started telling them because I've been praying for you to be saved, Daddy. And my brother. And as I was telling them how Jesus had saved me. And I was concerned for them. And I had only come home for this reason. And my daddy had picked up the paper in his favorite chair. And I said, Daddy, I know you're not reading. He put the paper down and he was crying. And at that time I was crying. And I poured my heart out to my daddy. And he knelt with my brother and I. And I want to tell you something. I'm a blessed man because I honored my father. I obeyed God. My dad's in heaven today instead of hell. My brother, I preached his funeral. He's in heaven. And I want to tell you, there's no greater honor if your parents aren't saved that when you pray Every day for them, and you speak to them and share your heart with them, you'll be so glad you've honored your father. 
Father God, we thank you that our lives are enriched as we obey your word and honor our fathers. And we thank you for the godly fathers that are here today. And we pray you would help them to nurture and raise their children in the ways of God. And Lord, we do thank you for all of your blessings that you've given us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is the greatest thing, and I guess it's, yeah, let's stand together. Chad, would you offer our closing prayer? Father God, thank you for this wonderful, amazing, beautiful day. Thank you for how you blessed us with earthly love that you used to show us how to obey, to point us to you, Father, so that we may live a life in obedience to you. Father God, I pray that we would see your glory as we go throughout this week, that you would draw us closer to yourself and that you would fill us with your spirit. Now we would run to you as children to their father, to jump into your lap and to break, wrap our arms around your neck and just tell you that I love you. Father, please bless us as we go out this week. Please allow the gospel to have an impact on our lives and allow us to share that with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.